Persinum crucis, de inimicis nostris, libera nos deus noster, in nomine Patris et Filii et Spiritus Sancti. Amen. My Lord and my God, I firmly believe that you are here, that you see me, that you hear me. I adore you with profound reverence. I ask you for pardon of my sins and grace to make this time of prayer fruitful. My Mother Immaculate, Saint Joseph, my Father and Lord, my Guardian Angel, intercede for me. Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart out of this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. And during supper, when the devil had already put it into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands, and that he had come from God, and was going to God, rose from supper, laid aside his garments, and girded himself with a towel. Then he poured water into a basin, and began to wash the disciples' feet, and to wipe them with the towel with which he was girded. He began to wash the disciples' feet, and to wipe them with the towel with which he was girded. Lord Jesus, we, we enter into this supreme event of your life, the Last Supper, which is such a fundamental event in our own personal life too, an intimate gathering of friendship, a foundational moment in your family, which is the Church, the origin of every Christian vocation in a certain sense. There we are in the upper room, which has been readied and furnished in advance. Quite likely Our Lady and the Holy Women had a role in preparing for that first Eucharistic celebration in anticipation of your, your passion the following day. It is an amazing gathering. On the one hand, the Apostles arrived without any expectation of anything different, anything new. And yet this is the beginning of something utterly new. You are inaugurating the new covenant, we might say. And it all happens under very humble signs. There we see you, Lord, taking off your outer garment, kneeling down. And we see you and we feel you, as it were, washing our feet. What are you expressing to us here, Lord? We know that the words and the gestures of the man-God, of the incarnate word, reveal who God is and what God thinks of us. You, Jesus, are the fullness and sum total of revelation, as Vatican II puts it. You, the word, reveal the Father. You reveal the Trinity. You show us who God is and who we are. 
and in our prayer we can slowly contemplate you in this amazing, humble, ordinary gesture, washing our feet. What is happening here, Lord? What are you saying to me? What are you saying to us through this? Probably it is, I suppose, a symbolic anticipation of the passion. You take out your outer garment. You take off, in inverted commas, the powers of your divinity. And you become a servant, the humble servant, the suffering servant of Yahweh, who we have heard about in the prophet Isaiah. It's not that you ever gave up your divine identity. You couldn't do that. You are true God and true man. But in the suffering of your passion, you didn't use your divine power. Not at all. You took out, sorry, you took off your outer garment and you knelt down and you washed our feet. Your passion, Lord, your self-giving love, your oblation is service to your friends. It's washing our feet. Through your passion, through your paschal mystery, you have cleansed us. You have soothed us, you might say, and relie relieved us. I'm sure for people who, who walked around, and indeed who do walk around in Mediterranean uh, climates, you know, especially if you wore sandals, it would be dusty and it would be kind of a relief really to, to wash your feet at the end of the day or at the end of a walk. In this gesture, which is an historical event, we see, Lord, your immense love for us, for your friends. You don't shirk away from doing what is essentially a dirty job. You become so small for us. God is so great that he can become small, as Pope uh, Benedict used to say quite a lot, talking about the incarnation. The greatness of God, the might of God, is seen precisely in his capacity to become small. You wash our feet, Lord Jesus, just as Our Lady would probably have done many times for you over the years, especially when you were small. Jesus, you are our loving friend. You know what is best for us. We've come in off the street we probably had to walk a bit through the holy city to arrive at the cynical. And yeah, our feet are uncomfortable. We want to be able to relax at this, uh, at this meal together. We want relief for our tired feet. But instead of hiring a serving boy to do it for a few coppers, you do it, Lord. Why? Because you're my friend and you want to love me. You choose to serve me. Joseph Ratzinger sees in the washing of the feet the expression of the Holy Eucharist. And it's interesting because the washing of the feet is um, recounted in the Gospel of John. I've just read those opening verses of chapter 13 of John. And John has no institution narrative. In other words, in the account of the Last Supper by St. John, there is no account of the Lord instituting the Eucharist. In the other Gospels, the three synoptic Gospels, yes, 
there is an institution narrative. But here in John, there isn't. And I suppose it's the personal interpretation of the theologian Ratzinger, but I think it's a worthy interpretation. He says, well, the washing of the feet really is the, um, is the institution of the Eucharist symbolically. Because what does our Lord do for us in the Eucharist? If not, relieve us, serve us, help us, come to us, nurture us, love us as a most intimate friend. Yes, Jesus, you are, as St. Thomas Aquinas says, you are our best and our wisest friend. You are our wisest friend, Lord, because you know us inside out, upside down, backwards, frontwards. You know me better, Lord, than I know myself. In this time now of special formation, I want to enter into your friendship. I want to be drawn into your intimacy. You are my friend. I have called you friends. This is what our Lord says to you. I have called you my friend. Enter into my friendship. Accept my love. Let me serve you. Let me wash your feet. Sometimes we're tired or we're bored or we're agitated or the experience of the lockdown, even doing part of the annual course at home, it can be a bit unsettling. It can be fun as well to some degree, but it can be disconcerting. I don't know how you have found these last few weeks. Everybody's different. Some people have found good things. Some people have found not so good things. Some people have enjoyed it, some people haven't. It doesn't matter too much, really. At the end of the day, what really matters, the one thing necessary, is our friendship with Jesus and finding you and experiencing our Lord in and through the ordinary, this friendship. There's something holy, something divine, hidden in the most ordinary circumstances, also in hidden in the most extraordinary circumstances of the pandemic. And it's up to each one of us to discover it. What is this something holy, this something divine, if not the presence of Christ, the love of Christ, the living Christ, the living and risen Christ, breathing, moving, acting, saving, with us now, the friendship of Christ, the quid divinum our Father speaks about, the something holy um, that's up to each one of us to discover in our in our daily lives, in the circumstances of our own personal history and the history of our country, that something holy is Christ, our friend. In this special time of formation, we want to focus especially on wherever the Father is leading us, because the Father is, if you like, he who has the charism of paternity in this portion of the church which is the work. And therefore we trust in the Holy Spirit who guides this family. And where is the Father bringing the family right now? It's very clear. Friendship. Friendship. Communion with God and communion with one another. Friendship, first of all, within the work, rediscovering what it means to say the word fraternity. We have that wonderful pastoral letter of the 1st of November last, which is really precious to meditate on, unpack it, assimilate it, savour. 
and of course the monthly intention, which is valid until the 8th of December. Right now in our prayer, let's let's pray it together, as it were. Let's let's petition our Lord for this great intention for our family. It's the general intention. It's for the whole family. Following the example of Saint Jose Maria, let us ask our Lord, Jesus, I ask you now to expand our hearts and to purify our vision so that on discerning the image of Christ living in each person we might become better friends of our friends. The essential petition is asking that we would be better friends of our friends. And what better way to to discover this than to look at the great friend, the friend who never lets us down, as our Father says, the friend with the capital F. Jesus, we look to you. We look to you. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. To the end. To the end. Our Lord's friendship is perpetual, eternal, faithful, enduring, in spite of everything. So many people, Jesus, to whom you offered friendship, even in the Gospels, did not return it. Very painful thing, unrequited love in whatever form it takes. It always bruises us, really. Um, well, you were there before us. You know what that's like. Jesus, we think of your friendship and and really the friendship of Christ embraces everything you know what is christianity actually what is it is it a series of moral uh, laws is it a, a string of teachings you know a code in a certain sense it is you know we could get our copy of the catechism of the catholic church and say look i'll sign uh, the flyleaf of this saying amen you know this is my faith i believe but more essentially, the faith is not a book. It's not the Bible, even. It's not a moral code. To quote the words of Pope Benedict, but it's a common theme also, as we know, in the teaching of Francis. Christianity is more than and different from a moral code, from a series of requirements and laws. It is the gift of a friendship that lasts through life and death. No longer do I call you servants, but friends. So what is it to be a Catholic? It's to be a friend, someone who, who has actually embraced that invitation, who has accepted the invitation to be a friend of Christ. It is the gift of a friendship. That's what Christianity is. So, the annual course is always an opportunity to savour that friendship to deepen it through doctrinal or philosophical formation of course At the end of the day no matter what we're studying be it new man or the philosophy of religion or scripture or dogma or whatever it might be we're always only ever really looking at different aspects of the person of christ because the great thoughts the great truths philosophical theological the great personages of history be it new man or be any of the saints or our father or saint augustine or saint thomas aquinas who do they radiate what do they radiate if not the living person 
of Christ. So these days are a great opportunity, of course, to to fall in love with our Lord again, to listen to his invitation. No longer do I call you servants, but friends. And maybe a focus this year could be, if we so wish, we've all got tremendous freedom in this regard, but it strikes me that um, the Father wants us, encourages us to enjoy friendship more, to rediscover it, to see what the Lord is offering to us in friendship. And this is the first thing, of course, we see in the friendship of Christ. Faithfulness. Faithfulness to the end. I remember a few years ago being at the Jubilee, a celebration of a person who had given their life to God in the church. Uh, and they were celebrating 50 years of faithfulness. And I said to somebody, just uh, one of the relations maybe at the celebration, well, isn't that wonderful? She has been faithful for 50 years to God, you know, to her vocation. And <laughs> Her relative replied to me, yeah, it's true, it's wonderful, but how wonderful too how God has been faithful to her, how faithful God has been to her every day as well. Isn't, isn't that beautiful? And I thought, wow, that is so true, that we can take our Lord's faithfulness to us for granted. There are some nice words, actually, of Pope Francis talking about the friendship of Jesus. He loves us to the end, you know, that our Lord is our friend forever and without any conditions. This is from the exhortation Christus Vivid, beautiful exhortation Pope Francis wrote to the youth of the world after the Synod on Youth a couple of years ago. And the Father quotes them in his letter, in point number three of the letter. Friendship with Jesus cannot be broken. He never leaves us even though at times it appears that he keeps silent. When we need him, he makes himself known to us. He remains at our side wherever we go. He never breaks his covenant. He simply asks that we not abandon him. Abide in me. But even if we stray from him, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny himself. A beautiful thing that we always have that friendship with our Lord, that our Lord is truly faithful. And if we're praying here in this meditation about friendship with Jesus and our Lord's friendship for us, we cannot divorce that, if you like, from praying about our own friendships, starting with the people of the work. Please God, the annual course experience will also be a time for family, for growing in friendship. Uh, you might say, well, it's a bit unusual because normally I, I mix with more people on my annual course or whatever. That's true. And now I mix with the same people I mix with every day. Well, that's great. There's a new grace there, isn't there? There's a new opportunity for love. Love is an ocean. It's uh, inexhaustible. Christian love is, is as, if you like, is as infinite as God himself because God is love. Fidelity faithfulness in friendship not getting tired of one another not getting tired of our friends even though at times they they don't seem to respond in his book about Don Alvaro Salvador Bernal talks about a particular friend he had who I think was called Francisco Jose and when Don Alvaro started his first job as a very junior engineer he used to walk every day to work and he used to walk with Francisco a companion of his who I think might have been a student at the time and they used to chat about things, obviously all kinds of things, uh, on the way to work or on the way home from work. But this Francisco Jose was 
an atheist and firmly so he said look I don't believe in God um, and Don Alvaro you know being a good friend <laughs> because he loved his friend he tried to uh, to win him over or at least I don't know make a chink in his armour as it were but there was no going there was no this was not happening um, but for years even as he became a priest and eventually prelate and all the rest head of Opus Dei Blessed Alvaro used to write to his friend regularly and, and he'd, he'd end by saying uh, in his letter saying and please pray for me even though he knew full well that Francisco Jose was more than a, a sceptic but Towards the end of his life, Francisco Jose changed. And in one of his letters, he wrote to Don Alvaro, uh, Yes, we do pray for you every day in this house. Now we do pray. And he died in the church. That man died in the church. Uh, we will have friends too who, who we must stick with because we love them. Not because they agree with us or because they voted the right way in the referenda or because they're practising Catholics or because they agree or understand our vocation. Certainly those friends who share our ethical and religious values are going to be even more intimately friends very often. But we can still share great friendships with people who, who are not on the same page. And in fact it can be healthy for us to have all kinds of friends because friendship is not something, it's not a closed bubble. Like our father always said, to open out like a fan, isn't that right? And we might say, well, I friend, you know, how can I be friends with someone who's an atheist? Well, we share so much with that person because everyone wants to be happy. Everyone wants to love. Everyone wants to receive love and give love. There's nobody who doesn't actually want that. And what a profound shared value that is. So, yeah, we can have friendship and faithful friendship with all kinds of people. And we can learn also from those people. We mightn't take our values from them. We mightn't take our beliefs from them. We don't need to. But we can still learn other things from them. And the friendship can be true and good. And when it's a deeply shared value, such as the desire for happiness or for love or other idealistic um, hopes, very often the Holy Spirit will get in there. Very often. Very often. So let us be faithful. Let us be faithful. I'm sure we are. But it's just, I suppose, sometimes we need encouragement. I certainly do. To keep at it. To keep at it when there doesn't seem to be much response. Jesus rose from supper, laid aside his garments, girded himself with a towel. He poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel with which he was girded. The vulnerability of Jesus in his friendships. We might say, well, our Lord is invulnerable, isn't he? He can't be wounded because he's God. Oh no, God has become man precisely so he could suffer. Yo bache a la tierra para padecer. Our father loved that Christmas carol. I have come down from heaven in order to suffer. And we know that friendship involves vulnerability. You know, to make a friend, you have to open your heart, which means exposing your heart to the possibility of hurt. And again, I don't know about you, you think about it in your own prayer. I'm thinking about it in my own prayer. I have my bruises on my heart, I don't mind telling you. Uh, <laughs> I think we wouldn't be human if we didn't. You know, I have my hurts, sometimes from people of the work, my deepest friends, my beloved brothers, sometimes they've, they've walked in there with their hobnail boots, I'm afraid. Probably I've done the same. Uh, think about you with your sisters. Yeah, to make a friendship, 
to grow in love involves exposing ourselves to the possibility of being hurt. And because we're human, sometimes we hurt one another. But is that the end of the road? Is that the end of the friendship? Think of our Lord's wounds, his vulnerability. He's kneeling down, washing our feet. How often we have been ungrateful for that. We who inflicted those wounds on his body. The wounds of Christ are, certainly, his declaration of love for us, his greatest declaration of love for us. They're also a testimony to our sins. That's the reality. But it doesn't break the friendship. Somehow, that vulnerability, that wounded nature of, of, of just human relationships can be a source of great friendship if there is forgiveness, if there is love. I mean, it is interesting, isn't it, when you think about it. We had it recently during the Easter season so many times. The first encounter of Jesus with the group of apostles um, gathered together in the upper room. And how does our Lord present himself? How does he introduce himself after he's come through a closed door, a locked door? He's come in through with his glorious body, which is somehow corporeal as well. He's, he's able to eat with that body. It's, it's a great mystery. How does, how does our Lord present himself to us on the evening of Easter Sunday? He says, peace, peace be with you. And he shows us his hands and his side incredibly intimate thing to do to show your side like that the master uncovers the wound under his heart extraordinary and he wishes us peace we who have every reason to be ashamed we who have broken the friendship we who have not been faithful we who did not accompany our friend in his hour of greatest need you might say how could there be any friendship how could there be any healing well by his wounds we have been healed so yes, in friendship there is a risk of being wounded. Just like we've done it to our Lord and perhaps we've done it to people as well. Or perhaps we've suffered it from other people. Which of us hasn't got friends with whom we've had an argument? In fact, those friends very often are our best friends because we really shared our wounds with them. What's important is the capacity to forgive and to let ourselves be forgiven. And that friendship therefore becomes much deeper. We see this often with married couples, don't we? They love each other profoundly in their vulnerability because they share their vulnerability. Look at number 12, the second paragraph of it in the Father's letter, in your own time. It's very encouraging, I think. Genuinely offering our friendship entails being willing to take a risk since there is always a possibility that it may not be returned. This is something our Lord experiences in his own life when the rich young man prefers to take a different path or when coming down from the Mount of Olives he weeps over Jerusalem at the thought of those whose hearts are hardened. After experiences like that, which will arise sooner or later, we have to overcome the fear of taking that risk again just as Jesus also does with each of us. In other words, we need to accept our own vulnerability to keep taking the first step without expecting anything in return. With our eyes on the great good that may come into being, a genuine friendship. Well, I encourage you to, to pray with the Father's letter during your course and during the next few months. It is a pastoral letter. He is pastoring us with this. He is guiding us, the Good Shepherd. 
to a particular pasture, which is fertile and beautiful and life-giving. Um, but I also think this letter on friendship contains many true things and many realistic things, and that's one of them, the vulnerability of friendship. We're fragile, and uh, it's like the, the famous joke, you know, a friend is somebody who knows all about you and loves you just the same. Well, isn't that how our Lord loves us? He knows all about us. You, Jesus, you know me. Jesus, you know all things. You know that I love you. Or as the famous dub version of that um, act of contrition goes, Lord, you know all things. You know how it is. You know how it is. So in praying about friendship, I didn't want to just pray about our Lord's friendship with us. Nor did I want to just pray about friendship within the work, as in fraternity. Nor did I want to pray about separately friendship as you know, friendship with people who don't have the same vocation. No, we just need to focus on the friend who washes our feet, who loves us, who serves us, who gives himself up for us. Because at the end of the day, our friendships are simply an extension of our friendship with our Lord. So if I want to be a better friend, I, I grow in that friendship by loving Jesus more and letting him more into into my life. Friendship with God is the source of true Christian love for others. So the key to friendship actually, apart from all that we might think and reflect on it, and we should, and read and philosophize and share and discuss, of course, but the most important thing is prayer. Prayer. I give you thanks, my God, for the good resolutions, affections and inspirations you have communicated to me in this meditation. I ask you for help to put them into effect. My Mother Immaculate, Saint Joseph, my Father and Lord, my Guardian Angel, intercede for me.